It's the Purple and Bold podcast from the Daily News Record. I'm Shane Metlin, recapping JMU's 16-14 victory Saturday night at Troy, a matchup of last season's first place finishers in each division of the Sun Belt. The two teams picked to finish first in each division in the preseason. So all in all, a pretty pretty big game as far as Sun Belt football goes uh lived up to the hype i guess as far as you know what you expected from those two teams a very close game a very defensive battle and jmu pulls it out going four for four in the red zone which was huge even though they didn't get touchdowns every time getting into the red zone and that's something we'll get into here soon but they got the points when they moved the ball which was enough against a Troy team that found the end zone twice but didn't do much else offensively, particularly trying to run the ball, even though Troy boasted having Kamani Vidal, one of the best, if not the best, running back in the Sun Belt right now. And JMU completely, completely dominates up front to um, once again shut down the opposition's running game. We can start discussing the defense uh, that was what everybody in the JMU locker room last night wanted to discuss. Um, you know, Kurt Signetti, you heard him probably on the post game with Dave Rigert, then in his post game press conference with the rest of the media. Um, you heard people, if you listen to Dave Rigert's post game radio, um, you heard everybody walking by congratulating various defensive guys that were in the hallway uh, following that game. Um, and and th- that effort was, you know, definitely deserved to be rewarded and recognized at that point. Um, the the defensive line where you're basically playing five guys, four guys, the vast majority of the time, um, rotating them to different spots, sending them from different angles, looking at different ways. Um, and you, you can even, you know, these guys are playing basically the entire game and they're not only getting after the quarterback on one of, one of Troy's last few plays of the game. Um, I think it was like on a third and long or something. Jalen Green from the defensive end spot dropped all the way back in the pass coverage. Not just dropped back, you know, to see, you know, to spy or anything like that. He was down. He was 20 yards downfield in pass coverage. That's the kind of game these guys are playing right now. Jamie's asking Jalen Green, Jeremy Cromaw, uh, Mikhail Kamara and James Carpenter, of course, like they're asking a lot of four guys, and it's just frankly unbelievable the way they're delivering right now up front. Um, you know, a stat I just posted on Twitter is that in 14 FBS games since JMU has moved up to the FBS level, they played 14 games last year and this year, they've given up a total of 950 rushing yards in those 14 games. We're talking 67 approximately yards per game. We're talking they're doing that consistently against um, some really good offenses, some really good running games in the Sun Belt. They've done that going one-and-one against FBS competition in that time. Um, and they shut down the running games of both of those teams, Louisville and and Virginia, last week. I, it's just it's mind-boggling how good JMU has been 
against the run. And it leads to a little frustration, I think, watching the secondary play. Um, but I think, you know, started out, you know, after seeing the UVA game, I think everybody was like, what's the matter with the secondary? What's the matter with the secondary? That was definitely there. You saw that. And then for a good chunk of Saturday against Troy, and even especially definitely early in the game, I think that reaction was still popping up as like Troy completes some passes downfield. There's some busted coverages, like missed assignments, just mistakes on that end. I think you're still seeing the safeties not be where they're supposed to be too often. Um, and then there was also some, you know, deep completions in the fourth quarter late in the game as Troy was doing their best to try to get in the field goal range. Um, and kick a potentially game-winning field goal in the final two minutes. There, the concern exists. The concern is somewhat legit, but I think it's also becoming more and more clear as we see more quarters of football from this JMU team that the philosophy right now is we will take the running game. It's not just limit the running game. We will make the running game non-existent. And by doing that... They're putting, they're putting their defensive backs on an island a lot. Um, it's a lot of one-on-one coverage. It's a lot of man coverage. It's a lot of stuff downfield where um, mistakes are glaring and where you know guys are going to get beat at times. But I think you know it's just coming pretty clear that the philosophy for JMU right now is, you know. We may give up a big play or two. We may give up some touchdowns. But if we completely shut down the run and if our offense performs, then we're still going to outscore you, even if you have a few home run plays against us. We're putting a lot of pressure on our defensive backs is what you know JMU's got to be saying in the locker room. And I think, it, I think those DBs probably know it. Um, for all the... like explosion type plays, you know, a safety in a wrong spot or whatever for each one of those. Then you also get, you know, a safety coming up, a Q read making a huge hit once again, uh, late in the game, a huge hit to, um, you know, break up a pass, um, you know, Chief Surratt doing similar things. Um, Chuck Winnecke made a big play late. And these are all guys who, you know, occasionally, get beat and then you look at the cornerback spot Devin Cole played maybe his best game as a Duke yesterday he did get beat a couple times you know going one-on-one with really good receivers but he came up with a pick he came up with a big you know deflection um late in the game he's a guy who played really well and you know Chauncey Logan continues to be solid at the other corner spot but a big big revelation on Saturday of course, was freshman, true freshman, D'Angelo Pons, um, made a huge special teams play at UVA, you know, recovering the fumble on the block punt. He got, you know, his first career touchdown there. Um, he steps in, plays a lot of cornerback on Saturday. He, he was in the game a lot. He was, you know, really good in coverage, <clears throat> um, you know, 
I, arguably maybe the best. I mean, without going back and like really examining the film or talking to Kurt Signetti yet, which we'll do here in the next uh, few days. Um, he seemed to be maybe – I wouldn't be shocked if he graded out as high as any cornerback on the field yesterday. I mean, he was just he, – he was really outstanding. Um, you look at having him and Chauncey Logan and, you know, a Brent Austin who didn't get as much playing time um, this week, but three really young guys at the cornerback spot who will just all continue to develop and get experience. Um, you know, as rough as it might be in a secondary at times this year, you got to feel pretty good about where things are going. Um, when you look at the young guys out there at corner, um, but I mean, defensively, I mean, this is going to be a heavy, heavy episode on the defense because I mean, you look at what's, happened so far this year the running game has the ability to shut down the running game has been so phenomenal I don't know you can say enough about it we talked about the defensive line you got to also put a huge shout out out there to two sophomore linebackers Aiden Fisher Trent Hendricks both play pretty much the whole game because you're two studs if you're JMU and you know Kurt Signetti these are two guys who win the staff gets together and says we're going to rank our our players one through fifty just on their overall ability. Both Jalen Walker and Torres Jones are in the top ten of JMU's best overall players. Um, as the staff gets together and do that, uh, both missing on on Saturday. Um, Jalen Walker was no real surprise. Um, he was still not not really practicing on Tuesday time that we got to see a little bit of practice and unable to report on injury status at that point. But I think it's safe to say now that, yeah, he, he missed the game. Yeah. He still was not practicing Tuesday after being in a sling for a good chunk of the UVA game. Uh, the Taurus Jones, it was a little su- more surprising to um, see TJ missing. That was not necessarily expected or not anything that, you know, noticed, <clears throat> on Tuesday, anyway, um, that he so him not being there was sort of a game time surprise. But you know, Aiden Fisher has been emerging for a long time and looked like a stud, looked like a star at Virginia. Was <clears throat> arguably JMU's player of the game, their MV, overall MVP for that game. Um, I think you can make the case. Plays really well again. Again, this week um, had a huge pass deflection as well as you know just being all over the field making tackles. Trent Hendrick also out there. He's a guy who was showing some signs last year and just you know maybe doesn't get as much playing time because he's behind those two guys. Um, so it's a next man up situation um, for the Dukes. Although you know at this point you know they keep losing linebackers one way or another, and the next guy up really 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 steps in and plays well but you kind of got to wonder like at what point will another injury really start to affect the depth and the ability to to play that position um we'll see we we'll try to find out as the week goes on uh what the status for both jones and walker might be uh going forward um if they'll be back for a trip to utah state this Coming weekend, uh, the Dukes head out there to play the Mountain West team 
in Utah State. You know, before we wrap it up, we you know we probably should talk a little bit about offense. Uh, obviously, um, as we mentioned before, you know, JMU did move the ball. They, they were able, you know, to let's look up the stats here. 290 yards total offense. A little bit misleading. I think, you know, that's definitely like a better game than that offensively because they had really good starting position on a few uh, drives where they moved the ball. Um, they were moving the ball in the first quarter. Um, but, you know, just not going to rack up a whole lot of yards when you're starting in plus territory or, you know, really good field position. Um, probably the main concern would be that the drives stalled all but once in the red zone. They had to settle for field goals. They'll give Camden Wise plenty of credit for making his field goals. You know, he got off to a little bit of a rough start um, in place kicking last year. Really no concern sending him out there to, to kick this year. He's been he's been perfect so far. Um, three for three on field goals. Or, yeah, I mean, he was four for four on field goals yesterday. I believe um, really, really paid off You know, every point mattered in a 16, 14 victory. Troy missed a 48 yard field goal in the course of the game. And then a penalty, some big plays defensively pushed them to a point where they were out of field goal range where a guy they couldn't trust um, necessarily after he missed a 48 yarder. Um, they needed to get closer. Didn't get a chance to attempt a, potential game winner because uh, the D- JMU defense steps up. Um, you know, JMU's own running game, I mean, you're shutting down Troy. You know, you're playing against a team that also really likes to um, really likes to stop the run. Has generally been really good at it. JMU gets pretty solid efforts from uh, King on Black. 13 carries, 78 yards. He had some really, really tough runs. One of them, you know, he, he's probably – you know, up there closer to a hundred had it not been for a, a run getting partially called back from a holding penalty. Um, Tyson Lawton also still running very well. 14 carries, 55 yards, uh, 90 yards total on the ground for JMU. That totals hurt a little bit by um, a bad snap early in the game. Went for a 19 um, yard loss. Um, so, I mean, overall, I don't think any complaints about, you know, the running game right now against a Troy team that's, you know, just really good in a running game. You go back and look at the sack-adjusted totals. Um, you know, JMU held Troy to negative 12 yards rushing. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. A lot of that is getting after the quarterback, getting to Gunnar Watson, getting some sacks. But you look at the sack-adjusted rush totals. JMU had 116 yards total. Um, if you take out the sacks, the bad snap, whatnot, they were getting about three yards per carry. Okay, that's okay. But the defense continued. Like even you take out the sack adjustment, the run defense was just absolutely incredible. 32 yards sack-adjusted for Troy. Two and a half yards per carry, holding Vidal to 27 yards on 11 carries. Uh, this is a guy who was um, the leading rusher in the country coming into this game. 
had really just since the second half of last season through the first couple games of this season had just been, you know, one of the most explosive backs in the country. He did absolutely nothing. Um, you know, 44 yards lost on the ground by Gunnar Watson as Jamie really got to him in the backfield, um, put pressure on him, you know, made him make some throws as he was getting hit. Definitely big, big performance there. Jamie's own quarterback, Jordan McLeod continues to be, I mean, just to put it frankly, he's not Todd Santeo, what Todd Santeo was last year. There are things sort of missing from the JMU offense where Santeo had the true dual threat capability. Santeo, you mean you talk about like what happened in the red zone. Santeo last year was a guy who, if he has it on the seven-yard line, his being a big, strong runner just makes that RPO stuff all the more effective because he could do both. Um, he might just take it in. He might run over somebody at the goal line. Um, I think I think that could be part of the issue, red zone wise. Although we're we're still just talking about one game, but I think probably in the minds of some JMU fans, if you think back to uh, two years ago, there was red zone struggles early in the season um, before JMU like really kind of opened up the playbook a little bit more. And I do wonder with McLeod not earning the start to start the year, um, a different toolbox than what Centeo offered you last year. If maybe we're just not seeing the entire playbook opened up to him quite yet, perhaps that uh, contributes to red zone struggles. But McLeod's solid. Uh, 18 for 26, 200 yards, one touchdown to Elijah Surratt. Um, that's Elijah's first touchdown as a Duke. Uh, good game for him, too, receiving-wise, uh, 62 yards on six catches. But McLeod, once again, you know, not necessarily winning the game by himself, but, you know, doing what he needs to do, solid completion percentage, good yardage, no interceptions, once again. I mean, that's probably that's probably one thing you had to worry about with him coming in was if uh, there'd be many, many interceptions, if there'd be issues there. Uh, has not been the case so far, even playing against um, you know some pretty solid defenses. But so overall, I mean, you look at what happened. Jimmy gets the victory in what you know some look at as the de facto real Sun Belt Championship game from a year ago. Obviously, these teams are not exactly the same, but. You know, JMU continues to step up in these games that mean a lot to a lot of people, even outside of the program, to the fan base and alumni and whatnot. Um, they continue to rack up bragging rights in games, whether it be against the Coastal Carolina or Virginia, now against Troy, whom they didn't get to play in the Sun Belt Championship last year. Um, and, you know, it it's not necessarily a decider or an indicator of what happens going forward for either one of these two teams. You can remember Troy last season lost its Sunbelt opener in week three to a Sunbelt East team. Uh, they lost on the Hail Mary to Appalachian State and then went on a run uh, with 10 straight victories and won the conference. <clears throat> You know, so they're in a similar boat as last year where they lose a heartbreaker, a close game to a Sunbelt, a very good Sunbelt East team. They're still in a position where they can, you know, uh, 
really make a run and get back to the conference championship. Uh, but for JMU, I think, you know, if there was any question about what the expectations for the team might be or should be after a couple of weeks, I think at this point, you know, anything less than winning the Sun Belt East or finishing first in the Sun Belt East does they can't win conference championship once again. Anything less than that probably feels like a, a disappointment at this point when you start out this way and when it seems like there's so much room for growth for this JMU team right now. They can clean up some of those missed assignments in the secondary. They can continue to get a little more effective on offense as McLeod gets even more and more comfortable as the wide receivers get more and more um, in tune with the offense. Um, I would expect JMU to continue to get better. And the fact that they've managed to start out 3-0 and not playing their best, I think is it's got to make JMU fans pretty excited about where this team could go, especially when you consider the transition. They're not automatically going to get into a bowl game if they win six games. But if there are enough spots available for teams, if there are not enough six-win teams to fill all the spots is a better way to say it, JMU will go to a bowl, and it's looking like you know they're halfway to bowl eligibility in that regard um just three weeks into the season so that's always like a big game i think you know the excitement for the program right now is going to just continue to grow and grow they've got utah state a trip out west coming up this week and then they return home to play a game that's you know already sold out to play a south alabama team that just blew out oklahoma state this weekend if jamie wins jamie can win at Utah State, pick up another solid non-conference game. I expect the atmosphere at Bridgeforth for that South Alabama game to be just off the charts. Be be a very, very incredible atmosphere. Um, really looking forward to that. But, you know, in the meantime, that just about wraps it up as we uh, take a look back at JMU versus Troy. We'll get more more and more into that Utah State game as the week goes on. Uh, hear from Kurt Signetti Monday during the conference teleconference, the Sunbelt teleconference, and Tuesday he'll have his own press conference at Virginia with a or at at JMU with a couple of players, and um, we'll we'll find out a little bit more about injuries. We'll find out more about Ohio, Utah State and. Uh, you know, dive into what should prove to be another interesting non-conference challenge for the Dukes. But that will do it for today. I'm Shane Metlin. You've been listening to the Purple and Bold Podcast, the Troy Recap Edition. Uh, thank you for clicking and tuning in.